uh, got a message, had received a message this morning from Dr. Savell, and uh, they just got back from, I think, Florida, and he left early this morning to do uh, a church in um, Houston, uh, I think two services today in Houston. He comes back, and then I think he's in Rockwall, and then he comes back, and he'll be with us for all the men. Uh, but when he messaged me this morning, and he said, he told me this, he said, let the people know that next Sunday morning, and he's going to be ministering the part one of the prophetic word for 2024. Amen. Amen. Only three people are excited about that. Praise. No, we, it's honestly, we have to be expectant. We have to be expectant. You know, we have to have open ears, open hearts, open eyes. Because it's in those things that Matthew chapter 13, and, and sometimes it's been a couple years where after he's ministered the prophetic word, I teach out of Matthew chapter 13, because it's, it's key that he's given us insight into heaven. Yes, sir. And that it's the things that our eyes are open to, our ears are open to, our heart is open to, that is what actually causes the 30, 60, and 100 fold in our life. Come on. And, and so and you're like, well, you know, I've heard so many people already minister on the new year. And this person ministered in the Jewish 5784 is about, you know, it's the year of the open door. And, and this minister said this, and this minister said that. And, and, that, and all those things are great because the Bible says we prophesy in part and we see in part and not everyone, everyone can have a part. And so Dr. Savell is going to release to us what is the part for this house. And it's not, that, it's not that this one's wrong and that one's wrong and this one's only right. And that's not how we, we look at the word of God. Amen. So, so, so I believe that, it, that we have to come with open hearts to receive what our apostle of our house, founding pastor of this church, is going to release into, into our lives. And, and uh, I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. And it's going to, it's going to be excellent. And... Um, you know, he, he said, I might message you tomorrow and let you know what that word is. So he probably, he probably didn't want to let me know today. So, <laughs> so uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm expecting, come expecting, come pray throughout this week. Just that, 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 that he has clarity that, that one of the things I pray over him, that he has eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that he has, the Bible says that, that what Jesus says, what he shares with you in secret that you would declare it on the housetops. So one of the prayers I pray is that he would operate in the seeing and the knowing. Amen. 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 That he'd have clarity. And Paul said, said, and pray for me after he said, and pray in the spirit, pray always in the spirit with thanksgiving. And he, very next verse, he goes, and pray for me that I may have utterance. Amen. And so that's what we need to be praying over him this week, that he has utterance because what he speaks from this house goes to millions Amen. Amen. And it impacts churches around the world. And so we need to be hooked in with him as the, and, and come into agreement that he has the liber- liberty, Amen. the liberty. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm just staying in this vein for a moment. You know, Paul said this into the church of Corinth. He looked at them, but he said, he goes, I have many things to share with you. He goes, but I can't share with you because you're carnal. And I'm not calling Betty, you're carnal. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm saying, he's saying, he goes, I want to give you more. But the thing is, is if I gave it to you, you're not ready for it. Right, right, right. Come on. It's good. It's good. Throughout the years, I heard, I've heard some amazing messages on prosperity, amazing revelation that came forth from God. But yet some people heard it and they were carnal. 
and they didn't hear it with the foundation of what it was released in. And so, so we have to come to a place where we're hooked in and locked in with what he's going to say to us because it's for us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Bible says, if you believe a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Come on. So Chronicles 20 said, said, if you believe the prophet, he goes, you'll prosper. Right. So, so we have to understand that, that we need to, we need to be ready just like this morning. You know, if you receive a pastor in the name of a pastor, you get a pastor's reward. What is a pastor's reward? Shepherding, direction, guidance. That's what a shepherd does. That's, that's my role in this house. That's what mine and pastor Annette's role is, is to shepherd you and guide you. Not to just give you a cute little message on a Sunday morning. It's to correct you, it's to direct yes, you, it's to inspire you, yes. it's to rebuke you. Yes. <laughs> so, so these are the things that, that we have to function in. So, so just, man, put an put alarm on your phone, do something. Just to, every day, I'm going to pray over Dr. Savell because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come expecting next Sunday, next Sunday morning. Amen? Amen? And then also next Sunday morning, Sunday right after service, we have our next Kingdom Builders. So you can register for that as well. And there's a gentleman that's connected to this ministry who is a doctor in Oklahoma and how he takes what he does in his profession as a physician and how he ministers healing, healing to people. So, so it's not just growing a business, but it's from people from different occupations and how they incorporate the kingdom of God and what God called them to do. Because see, not everyone is called to stand behind this. Okay. It's not everyone stand to, to stand behind a pulpit and preach. There's anointed, Romans chapter 12, read it. You have different callings. There's different callings. And the thing is, then you operate in that particular calling. And I think if people would stop running after a pulpit, they can then start, then they can start flourishing in actually what God's called them to do. So ministry is ministry is about is how God flows through you in your sphere of influence yes. and what he's called you to do. And hallelujah, man, it's, there's a, there's a grace to teach this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter four, James chapter four. Since really, since the beginning of the year, almost I, been preaching on different aspects of desire, did a number of weeks on desiring God. We, we talked a number of weeks on desiring the word of God. And a couple of weeks ago, I was finishing up dealing with desiring the Holy Spirit. And so I, we, so far we've done about 21 different sermons on desire so far. And, um, and so this is the vein the Lord's had me in. And so we're thinking about a desire for God, a desire for the word, and a desire for the Holy Ghost. What should those things produce in our life? This morning, I want to talk about a life of purpose. A life of purpose. Say this with me. I've been created, I've been created for, a for a purpose. I came across a quote this week and. I just said really was in my heart as I was preparing for staff chapel with uh, the JSMI staff and the church staff and, and came across this quote and just, just kept meditating on it. And, and it says this, and this is actually a quote is from Jim Cimbala in a popular book years back 
called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Great book, and it was just really his journey on, on how he was called to impact New York by creating and, and being the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle. And, um, and, the, and the quote is this. He said this, I despair at the thought that my life might slip by without God showing himself mighty on my behalf. I think, listen to that for a moment. He goes, I despaired at the thought that my life, my life might slip by without God showing himself mighty on my behalf. What a sobering thought. I heard Dr. Savelle make the statement that he goes, one of his lack of a better term, fear, he doesn't really have fears, never seen him afraid of anything or talk about fear, but, but he, he has made the statement, he goes, one of his greatest things is, is being going one direction for a number of years and realize God's been going the other direction. That's kind of like the same thought. I despair of the thought that my life might slip by and that God didn't show himself strong on my behalf. I even put this, that, that my life might slip by, that God didn't show himself strong in me, and he also through, made me str- showed himself strong through me. Meaning, I, I despair. I'm, I'm just the thought that my life from 1973 and that hyphen in the morning till in the middle to the question mark, in between those two dates, whatever that ending date is, that in between there, I didn't see God use me. I mean, I think if we're all honest with ourselves, I, I remember going into and ministering in the homeless shelters and, and, um, and I remember the things that I discovered in ministering to homeless in downtown Fort Worth when we would go in every Tuesday. And, and I found this not just in homeless, but I found it in every young person. And then I found it in every church person. I found it in every person that exists. And there's this thought on the inside of them, really two thoughts on the inside of them is this number one, does someone love me? And secondly, why am I here? If you really boil everything down in the concept of your life and what you go to sleep thinking about is those two questions, does someone love me and does God have a plan for my life? You see, if you really, if you really ask yourself in the things that you pray, whether it's about your finances, whether it's about, it says, God, do you have a plan in this? Is there, is there something, what's your plan in this situation that I'm in right now? So ultimately you're asking is, is really, God, do you love me and do you have a plan for me? What am I here for? What did you create me for? I mean, because I know these are the thoughts that I had as a young person. You know what? And not one of us, when we were young, did we dream and say, you know what? One day when I grow up, I'm going to be a homeless person. That was never, that was never someone's thought. I'm going to grow up and I'm going to rob banks. I'm going to grow up and I'm going to do this. I'm going to grow up and I'm going to do that. No, everyone grew up when you were a child and they asked you what you wanted to do. You know, it was like, I'm going to be an astronaut. 
I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be a pre- I'm the president. I'm going to be, you know what I mean? It was just like, there was this, I'm going to be a professional basketball player. I'm going to be this. And I'm going to be that. Not one person said, you know what? I'm going to be a loser. Why? Because as a young person, you haven't been around long enough for someone to shape your destiny. As a young person, uh, and it can happen in young ages, but, but yet, yet you, you, you have this idea that I want to be something great, but then you look at how you're raised or how you're talked to by your parents or how, and all of a sudden those things stifle the dreams that are on the inside of you. And next thing you know, you no longer, you, 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 you settle for the ordinary instead of what the greatness that God placed down on the inside of you. See, the whole reason we have desire God and desire the word and have the Holy Ghost is so we can allow the greatness that he deposits on the inside of us to come forth. Said I despaired of the thought that my life might slip by and, and not having seen God's hand. You know what? I, I've heard that prayer throughout scripture. I, I hear a similar prayer in Eric talked about this last week with Moses. What did Moses say? Show me your glory. It's no different. It's the same thing. What what did Moses say? He goes, don't take us up from here if your presence doesn't go with us. Amplified says, because it's your presence that causes us to be distinguished. David said the, said the same declaration. Everyone else is, is running back to their tents because of the taunts of Goliath. But yet, but yet, even at the taunts of his own brother, David still makes the same statement. He goes, is there not a cause? That's really the same thing. I would despair, meaning there's something to live for. There's something that God's called me to do. There's something that God created me for, and I want to find out what it is. Do you want to find out what it is? Yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> You're created for purpose. The Holy Ghost, the word in your life is not upon you so you can say, hey, I'm spirit filled and I'm a Christian. No, it's upon you for purpose. It's on you for a purpose. You know, we also see this, I see the same prayers meditating on that, that quote. I, I saw that same passion, same desire on the inside of Jesus. And you're like, where did you see that with Jesus? In his prayer and how he taught the disciples to pray. What did he pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He could have just as well said, show me your glory. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see this passion on the inside of the leaders throughout scriptures. David wanted to see his goodness. That was David's, that was his aspect. I I would have fainted unless I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I love it in Psalm 27, verse four, he goes, one thing have I desired 
and that will I seek after that I may behold the Lord, the beauty of the Lord and dwell in this house of the Lord forever. I love this. And the Holy Spirit spoke this to me one time. And he said, said, you have to understand David went in just to see one thing, but it was in the hope. So he would see many things. One thing he desired, and it was to dwell in the house of the Lord. But what did he want to see? To behold the Lord and the beauty. Meaning he went in with one, one purpose, but the point was so he could see many things. There's many things the Lord wants to show you. But the thing is, is we have to boil everything down to coming back to having one desire. Thank you, Father. What do you desire to see? Jesus, it was his kingdom, God's kingdom on earth. David, it was the goodness. Moses was the glory. Thank you, Father. What do you want to see? Kingdom? Or just natural? You see, after you encounter Jesus... The, the, world, the worldly mantra of living for the weekend goes out the door. But we can get in that rut of, I'm working Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday because I can't wait for the weekend. But when you encounter Jesus, that that idea goes out the window because I'm not living for the weekend. I'm living for daily encounters with heaven. I'm living not for to feed my pleasures on the weekend, but I'm living for what God desires to do every day. Let's look at James chapter four. James chapter four. Verse 13, there's so many things I could say out of this chapter and how it's affected my life, but I'm going to stay on point. Verse 13, he says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city. The scripture the Lord gave me years back when he was telling me, Justin, I want you to pastor. And I didn't want to pastor. This scripture's marked my life. But I believe if we really will honor, I believe as I minister this, this set of scriptures and throughout the rest of the day, I believe there's some things that are going to mark us by the Holy Spirit this morning. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, you say, you say, come now, you who say. It's not God saying, it's you saying. You who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city. We'll spend a year there. We'll buy and sell and we'll make a profit. Now, who is saying this? Them or God? Them. You say you're going to do this. See, there's a lot of things that Justin said. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit would have to correct me and I'd have to rewind my words. (laughs) He goes, he would say, did I say that or did you say that? Did I give you this plan or did you give yourself that plan? 
Proverbs tells us there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. I think it's Proverbs 14, 12. Proverbs 16, 12 says the same thing. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is destruction. And I, you know, I've come to a place, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna do what seems right any longer. I wanna go the way that is right. I wanna go the way that is right. So he's saying here, he goes, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go this, this or that city and we're gonna buy and sell and we're gonna make a profit. He goes, whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? What is your life? That's a question we need to ask ourselves. What is my life? Some translations say, what is the nature of my life? What does my life consist of? It says this, it is even for, it says, for what is your life? He says, it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now, this is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. There was a time in my life where I was telling God that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. You know what? Those things that I was saying were actually having to do with ministry. I kept saying, hey, I'm going to Bible school and I'm going to go to Africa. I'm going to Bible school and I'm going to go to Africa. I'm going to Bible school and I'm going to Africa. So when he spoke to me, no, you're going to become a pastor. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be a pastor. I've told everyone I'm going to Bible school and then I'm going to Africa. (laughs) So you say, so this was even dealing with a righteous, a righteous thing. You say. When he says, all such boasting is evil, meaning it's arrogance of me if I'm going to try to fulfill my destiny without him. It's arrogance if I think I can fulfill my destiny without him. He says, all such boasting is evil. And the word evil there doesn't necessarily mean the way we think of evil. It just means it's, it's showing distrust. Meaning, I'm trusting my destiny with myself, and I'm not trusting God with my destiny. Come on. Say, say this, I'm created for purpose. I'm created for a purpose. What is the nature of your life? What are you here for? There's more I can pull out, and maybe we will in future weeks. But in all honesty, we all want our life to count for something. Yeah. Yeah, there's some people, there's some, some, I think there's a few people here, you need to let go of relationships. And, and, you, you, and you've used the position of, well, I release my faith for it. But the thing is, is what is God saying and are you quiet enough, long enough to hear? Now listen to this statement. You were born for significance, but you were born again for influence. You were born, you were created for significance, but you were born again for influence. Go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. 
Thank you, Father. You're faithful. Mm. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you have a purpose. You know, you know, everything you do, yeah, everything you do should have a kingdom purpose. The job you, you work at, there's a kingdom purpose. And you're like, well, does that mean I need to work for a Christian, no, a Christian employee? No. No. The thing is, is, there was a time when I worked in sales and marketing. And, and for me, my job at that time was, was, a ways, uh, it was a way of making a living. But it wasn't just making a living. I turned my job into a point of what did it have to do with kingdom? It did two things. One, it gave, the, the, gave me the ability to give into the kingdom, number one. And secondly, I used my increase, I used my resources to fund short-term mission trips. So even though I was working in a natural standpoint, I still was looking at, even though it may was a, a secular environment, the issue was, is I, I still have to look at it in this season of my life. What does it have to do with kingdom? If you're starting a business, make sure your business has to do somehow with kingdom. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. You know what? Your relationships, your marriage. God brings, brings a, a person along, alongside of your life. Does that mean that, 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 that I can't get married or, or this or it has to be this? or has, No, the thing is, the person that God brings in your life, the thing is, 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 there, is there kingdom associated with it? Amen. Yes, sir. Because ultimately, if kingdom isn't associated in your relationships, then eventually, if you have a passion for God and they don't have a passion for God, the thing is, is you're going to be trying to go, go two different directions and it's going to be frustrating. So when you settle the fact of why did God bring this person into my life, you settle the fact that this is kingdom. This is kingdom. It's not not my notes. It's just (laughs) everything. There should be some aspect of kingdom. Every church we should have, it should be about kingdom more than just these four walls. Kingdom. First Corinthians six. Verse 19 says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own for you were bought at a price. First Corinthians six, verse 20 says, for you were bought at a price. You were bought with a price. My life is not my own. I mean, you can keep trying to go the same direction. You can keep trying to find the spouse for yourself. You can keep trying to make things work. But you have to settle. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. Then it says, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 
Meaning, meaning I've, I'm created for something. I've been bought with a price. And therefore, everything I do with my hands, everything I do around me, every, everywhere I go, everything I do somehow should come back to the fact that I'm honoring God. I'm honoring God. Because that's what it says, that therefore, because you've been bought with a price, therefore, that you might glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. Say, I have a purpose. purpose. Hallelujah. Go to Ephesians chapter one. Life on purpose. Hallelujah. We have to live on purpose. You know, as we already said, David said, is there not a cause? Meaning that there's a purpose behind that statement. Is there not a cause? It says of this in prophesying about Jesus in Isaiah 50, I think verses six and seven, it said that he, he, he knew about the, his beard being plucked out. He knew about being spit upon. In the very next verse, in verse seven of Isaiah 50, it said he, even though all those things, it said he set his face like flint. I mean, even though he knew all these things were going to happen, he set his face in a different, in a certain direction. He, he set his face like a, a, a rock that he's not going to be moved from. Why? That's, that's someone that's got purpose. I think Paul says it this way. My determined purpose is to know him and the power of his resurrection. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1. Let's look at verse 22. Are you with me? Yes, sir. It says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Let me read that again. And he put all things under his feet and he gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he gave Jesus to be the head of the church to the church that's going to be his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now let's go to chapter 2, verse 10. Hallelujah. He gave it to the church, things to the church, over all things to the church. So the church has something it possesses. Let's look at verse, thank you, Father. Verse 10, it says, for we are his workmanship. One translation says, we are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus for what? You've been created for purpose. The church has been established for purpose. He gave him to be the head to the church that he could fill all things. Now, when he's talking to this, he's talking to the church of Ephesus. Now, we can use this as an individual, but ultimately he's speaking to the identity of the church. The church is his workmanship. The church 
is his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should, should, that we should walk in them. You've been created, you've been created for good works. You are his handiwork. You are the expression of his creation. You, we are his hands, the church is his hands, his feet, his mouthpiece, his heart in the earth. And we have been created, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. You've been created for purpose. We have been created for purpose. The church is created with purpose. Hallelujah. You've been, we've been created for purpose. You have purpose in you that, 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 that Jesus and the Holy Ghost wants to come out of you. There's things that he wants to reveal to you. Hallelujah. Man, just look at your hands and just say, I am his workmanship. I'm created in Christ Jesus. And he's prepared me for good works. Mm. Hallelujah. As, as heritage of faith, we're created for good works. Why we leave every service and we close out with give him Jesus. As you've heard us say, it is not just a cute saying, but it's to go out and do good works. It's go out and give them Jesus. And go to Ezekiel chapter 2. I mean, Ezekiel chapter 20. Thank you, Father. Actually, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 22. So we've established the fact that our life has purpose, right? We've established the fact that we've been bought with a price and we're not our own, right? We've established that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We see that Jesus had a desire. Paul had a desire. Moses had a desire. They realized they were created for something more than just themselves. Now let's look at verse 30. So all that before was my introduction. So here. Verse 30. He goes, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. I think this is one of the saddest statements in scripture that God was looking. It said he sought a man. It didn't say he sought an angel. Didn't say he sought a king. He didn't say he sought a prophet. He's just looking for a man. He goes, I sought a man, but I couldn't find one. I, I think this, what, what this speaks to me is the reason that God couldn't find a man because 
the men he, were, the men he was looking at didn't know their purpose. I'm telling you, as I look across this room and those watching by a way of internet, you need to know that you know that you know when you leave here today that God is looking for a man and a woman to step in to a place he needs them. And it's not, for, it's not for me to take the place you're supposed to take. He was looking for a man. He was looking for a man. He was looking for a man to stand in the gap to bring heaven and earth together. He's looking for a man. God has, he had to use a man. He couldn't correct everything that was taking place and what happened at the fall of man by being able to do it with angels. He had to have a man. He had to have a man. He sought a man. He sought someone that would stand in the gap. How many people you want your prayers answered? How many people you, you, you want to receive a miracle? See, often we are pressured in seeking to receive a miracle or seeking to get our pray, prayers answered instead of being a miracle. Too often we're, we position ourselves in crying out to God and saying, God, I need a miracle. So often you're like, God, I need you to answer this prayer. I, God, I need you to answer this prayer. And, and God is saying, I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a man. I, I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a woman. I'm looking for someone. I'm looking for someone. And, and all we're doing, we have our mind totally on ourselves saying, I need this miracle. I need this miracle. I need, I need this financial breakthrough. I need this miracle. I need this miracle. God, would you please answer my prayers? And God is saying, would you please be the man? Would you please be the woman that I need because someone else needs a miracle. Someone else needs their prayers answered. See, this is someone that all of a sudden switches their thinking about being a self-centered believer to now being a believer that lives with purpose. We have to stop being self-centered believers and shift to now all of a sudden now we are living with purpose and, it, and, and come to the fact that God, it, in the natural, it doesn't matter if my miracle happens or not. I'm going to cause a miracle. I'm going to lay hands on this. Well, I'm just going to wait until I'm healed. No, you lay hands on someone else now. Well, I'm just going to, you know, once, you know, once my children get saved, then I'm, I'm, I'll start witnessing. And I'll, no, you start witnessing now. Well, well, you know, I'm, uh, you know, one day, you know, I'm going to go to the nations. Well, why don't you just go across the street? <laughs> I mean, I mean, the thing is, 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 is we have to, we have to start living with just this sense of purpose on the inside of us where that statement, that quote that I read that I despair even of life, if my life would slip away and that God did not use me mightily. Come on. That's why we have the Holy Ghost. 
That's why we have the gospel. That's why God is on the inside of us. A life of purpose. A life of purpose. Hallelujah. The Bible is made up of miraculous events. Can we agree? The Bible is made up of miraculous events that were brought about by people being the answer to someone else's need. The Bible is made up miraculous events that were brought about by people being the answer to someone else's need. So let's stop focusing on the miracle we need and start focusing on being someone else's miracle. Thank you, Father. Mm. You know, I, I think of First Peter chapter 2, and it tells us this. It says that you are a, we are a chosen race. Right? We're a royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. You know, we can, woo, we're a royal priesthood. Oh, thank the Lord that I'm a chosen generation. Oh, I'm chosen. I'm royal. I'm a peculiar people. <laughs> you look at your neighbor and you're like, they are, they are. I mean, we, 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 we can shout about that and we get excited about that. Man, I'm chosen, man. Man, Terry, I'm a chosen generation, man. Amen. Amen. Hannah, you're chosen. Yes. Joseph, you're chosen. And we can celebrate that and, and praise the Lord about that and in our four walls of our church and we don't read the rest of the verse. What does it say? We're peculiar, we're chosen, we're royal. What? So that we could show forth the praises of him. I'm a chosen vessel. I'm a peculiar people. I'm a royal priesthood for a purpose. Let's say, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. What? That, that's a qualified, that, meaning there's a purpose, that you may proclaim. Go to the next verse. That you might proclaim, who once were not a people, but uh, proclaim the praises of him. (laughs) It only has part of the verse back there, so. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Meaning, have you been called out of darkness? That means that you should be proclaiming something. You should be declaring something. That means that means that you're not just chosen and peculiar and peculiar and and royal for just to just to breathe air. No, you're there because you need to proclaim something that you may that you may show forth the praises of Him that called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. You need to take a moment. Maybe tomorrow morning, maybe later tonight, and just think about being brought out of marvelous, being brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. Just meditate on that. And when you go to work with someone and you're walking by this, this person and you're walking by that person and realize they're going to hell. But you're like, I'm a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm, I'm God's. I'm God inside minded. I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. I'm above only and I'm not believed. Bless the Lord. But the thing is, are you showing for the praises of him that made you that? Yes. 
I'm telling you, every single one of us here this morning, I'm commissioning you by the Holy Spirit. You need to witness to someone this week. You need to share the gospel with at least one person this week. If you really believe and shout and, hey, man, we could have got the music going and just celebrated for 30 minutes about how, how chosen we are. But the thing is, is did that revelation come on the inside of you? It's like, I've got to tell someone about how good I have it. And you're like, well, I don't know how to do that, pastor. I don't know how to do that. All you have to do is, hey, Kyle, can I tell you something? Can I tell you, God did this for me. You don't need to get spooky and spiritual. And, oh no, just say, hey, hey man, I know, I, I have a sense, man, you, you kind of seem kind of like pressured today. Can I share something with you? Well, this is what, what happened to me. And let the Holy Spirit work. You're not the savior, you're the seed sower. I don't know if the Lord will let me do it, but I talked about that, that, that influence starts with a conversation. Years ago, I did a message about it all starts with a conversation. And if you could understand that we are called, your, your life has purpose. And I'm telling you, making money, establishing, all those things are benefits of being a covenant believer. But the thing is, is, is what is it? Purpose, purpose purpose. Thank you, Lord. Great miracles happened in scripture, but God always used a man. For instance, Moses was the answer to the children of Israel's bondage. God heard their cry and he said, I will come down and deliver them. But you know what? God didn't come down and deliver them. He goes, I'm sending Moses. David was the answer to the giant of opposition. God didn't use an angel to strike Goliath dead. He used a man. You know what? You're called to defeat some Goliaths in other people's lives. While everyone else is running back to their tents in fear. I'm telling you, you need to be the one that stands up and destroys the Goliath. If we look at the story of Elijah, Elijah showed up to a widow woman and we often talk about that he was, he was the miracle for the widow woman, but not really understanding what about a widow woman being the miracle for the prophet. You're like, oh, well, I'm just an at home mom or I'm just this, or this has happened to me. Hey, that widow woman, I'm telling you, she was the answer to Elijah's prayer. She was vital, an instrument that God used and spoke to. She was a widow woman that could hear the voice of God. You're like, oh, well, my husband does that. Or, you know, my husband's the prophet and he was the prophet and all that. But now I'm a widow and who am I? But yet she could hear the voice of God and said, I've already prepared a widow woman there. Why? Because you have purpose. Because as long as you are a child of God in the earth, God is looking for you to use. Thank you, Lord. 
How about this one? God's looking for a man. Ananias was the answer to the blindness that Paul was experiencing. Hallelujah. This man's obedience unlocked the destiny on the inside of Paul. Ananias used a man to go speak into the apostle Paul and change his entire destiny. But he had to use a man. And I could go throughout the scriptures, but I believe you're getting it this morning because I want you to see yourself in scripture. I want you to see the fact that we are still writing the book of Acts and he's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman. We're not called to sit back and just wait on miracles or wait for our prayers to be answered. We're called to be the answer and the miracle in people's lives. Go to Matthew chapter three and God's looking for a man. Mm. Say, my life has purpose. My life has purpose. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you. Let's look at verse 35. Looking at another man that God used. Then Jesus went about doing good. Actually, Jesus went about the cities. If you look at Acts 10, 38, it said how God anointed, and listen to this, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He didn't say Jesus Christ from heaven. He uses Nazareth because he wanted, we, he wanted us to see that he had humanity connected to him. He was Jesus of Nazareth. That's Acts 10, 38. Here it says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages. What did he do? teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease. Man, Jesus's life had purpose. He went about teaching, preaching and healing. He healed every disease and he healed every sickness and every disease among the people. Now listen to this, but, but when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, now let me just let me give you a couple thoughts here. Now he did the teaching, preaching and healing everywhere, right? That's what it says, correct? Yes. Among the people. Then it says, but. I mean, that's kind of like to cancel out everything that just happened, right? In some cases. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then, so because of what he saw, then something happened. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Now get this, get a picture. Jesus, everywhere he's going, he's teaching, he's preaching and healing. But he sees a mountainside of people. And he's like, what we really hear, Jesus 
in an emotional aspect as saying, I can't do it all. But, I mean, he was doing this everywhere. He went healing every sickness and disease. But when he saw the multitude of people and he realized how many people were lost, how many people were going to hell, how many people were sick, how many people were broken, how many more were poor, how many more were lost. And he's saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. And so what Jesus prayed, Jesus prayed. Do you know what he was praying? He was praying for you. That day, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was looking at 2023 and was praying for each one of us. And he was saying, wait a minute, there's too many, there's too many people. I can't do this all myself. So what does he, he prays, he prays, Lord. He goes, I pray the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers. Send out laborers. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Was he? he was praying to the father. Hey, you got to send out a laborer. You've got to send a man. Hey, I'm only one man and I'm doing my part. He set his face like Flint, but, but you know, I'm doing my part. We got to pray for other people because this is so much bigger than I probably thought it was. No, Jesus knew how big it was. So don't get me wrong there. But the point was, is Jesus needed to leave a legacy of purpose. You know what? We read the Bible in chapter and verse, but if we just take chapter 10 out and we just keep taking the 10 out and just keep reading this as one story, it says this, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then what happened? And when he called. So what was the, and when he called, and when he called his 12 disciples to him. Yeah, I thought of this this morning. You know what it said? When he called the disciples to ministry. No. When they called him to him. Your ministry will only be effective when you're in him. Too many people want to do ministry for where it can take you and what it can do, but they haven't, they haven't stayed with him. Amen. Amen. He didn't say, hey, I'm going to call you into the ministry. No, they called them to him. Yes. And it was when they called them to him and he goes on and he reads the, 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 the 12 disciples' names and we pick it up in verse five. These 12 disciples sent out and commanded them saying, so what? There was a need. Jesus recognized there was a need. God recognized there was a need and had to send a man. Jesus recognized there was a need and he prayed out to God to send laborers into the harvest. And what happens? He calls the disciples. What? He was looking for a man. And they called them to him. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter into the city of Samaria, Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying... The kingdom of heaven's at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give. And we could keep going on and on. But what I wanted you to see here is God's always looking for a man. Jesus was praying, hey, I can't, I, I can't be the only one. I pray the Lord of the harvest to send labors. 
And I believe that's when Jesus was in that prayer. I believe there was a segment there in prayer overnight. And, he, and that's when the Lord gave him, okay, these are the men. And he went out. Not only did he call them with purpose, call them, but then he empowered them. I give you power. Man, if I'd take the time, we could go to the, to the, to the Great Commission and we could talk about the gospel and we could talk about Acts chapter one and same thing. Hey, man, God's look, still looking for laborers to go into the harvest. And was that? He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, at first, go to Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Why? Looking for a man. See, this speaks to every one of our purposes. Let me close with this. Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Receiving something this morning. Hallelujah. As we step in, prepare for a new year. Verse five says this, is it a fast that I have chosen? Is this the fast that I've chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call that a fast and acceptable day of the Lord? What does that mean? Meaning it's talking about a, a Hebrew, a Jewish person that's afflicting his soul on how he feels internally. Is this what, I, is this what God's calling us to do that we would make our lives about our experience? Is, is that the fast? And we look at the word fast. Let's look at the word consecrate. Set apart. Is this why I set you apart? So you could, we, we could just talk about your, your soulish issues. Sorry. I mean, meaning everything's about your emotional state because, because we're not careful. Our Christianity becomes about how we feel. I just feel this, or I feel that, or I feel that, oh, I messed up today, therefore I'm not righteous, or I keep giving into this, and all that. God's saying, saying, wait a minute, your Christianity is, 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 just get right, because I have more for you to do. That's all God just wants you free from sin, is because he, he has a purpose on your life. Verse six says, is this not the fast that I have chosen? Meaning, why have I set you apart? What is it? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free. This is why you're born again. This is the purpose that we have as believers. This is the fast he's chosen. This is why we're set apart. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break what every yoke Verse seven, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring your house, the bring the poor the house, the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover them and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Verse eight, then, so when you do this, something happens. 
Now, when you are loosing the bonds of wickedness, something happens. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Meaning when you are letting the oppressed go free, then the light is breaking forth for you. Meaning when you start doing what we're called to do as believers, then you're going to experience the greater breakthroughs in your life. When we start becoming the miracle and the breakthrough for other people, then all of a sudden those other things that we're, we're, we're weighing is down, all of a sudden those things are happening in our lives. Hallelujah. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. So we got to stop pointing the finger. Verse 10, if you extend your soul to the hungry and you satisfy the afflicted soul, then, see, when you do these things, then this happens. Then your light, hallelujah, shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones and you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundation of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. Amen. So this is the fast he's called us to. This is what he set us apart for, that we would be the repairer of the breach. You and I have a purpose. In this hour, See, this is how an end time church needs to live. We live with purpose. And it's amazing that when we live with purpose, our light breaks through. When we live with purpose, I'm telling you, I just see by my spirit that as a church, we have to be the repair of the breach in our community. Until we come over this next year and they enter into another election cycle, we have, to, we have to stand head and shoulders above the way the world does life. And we be the ones are standing. We're standing shoulder to shoulder. We're standing shoulder. We don't know what's going to be unfolded in the natural over these next years. But the thing is, is we're the church and we are the hope of the world. We are the hope of the world. So we have to desire, God, I want your purpose done in me and through me. I despair at the thought that I would live my whole life and not knowing what my purpose was. Mm. Hallelujah. Were you ministered to this morning? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. I'm convicted this morning. How about you? Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the calling upon the church in this hour is weighty. I didn't say impossible because his yoke is easy. His burden is light. But I'm telling you what we're called to do and what each one of us are called to do in our sphere of influence is weighty. It's weighty. I mean, we can't play games anymore. 
This is weighty. It's weighty. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Joe, do you have anything? Are you good? Do you have a microphone? Thank you, Father. What Justin preached this morning is a thing we preached all over Canada that the body of Christ got to stand up and do what they're called to do. Because it's not just about the five-fold ministry. It's the whole church standing up doing what they're called to do. And without that, we don't have the fullness of Christ. Each one of us have the fullness of Christ in us, but we have to do what he's called us to do. So I was excited because me and Eric thought we were kind of alone when we were preaching up here because everybody's looking at us like, they wanted revelation. We give them revelation. <laughs> the sleeping giant has to rise up. In Montana, up on the mountain, there's a, a looks like a man laying up on the mountain. And they say the sleeping giant will arise when Christ comes back. Well, it's the sleeping giant is the church. Time to arise. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. You know, this, is, this involves all of us. I, mean, I would say, hey, show of hands on who wants to who wants to know their purpose or fulfill their purpose. That's no, we all, we all do. Yes, and if you if you say no, you're not being honest. You're not being honest. It just will, it would just cause some adjustments in our life. Yes, sir. Thank you, Father. Man, thank you, Father. I mean, this, this community needs us. This community needs us. Your workplace needs you. Your children need you. Your high school needs you. Your college needs you. Be some nations that God may send you to, they need you. Purpose. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for purpose. Just bow your heads and put your hands on your heart. Father, Holy Spirit, I thank you for awakening us to purpose today. That we would not leave planet Earth until just what Jesus prayed in John 17, 4. Jesus said this, he prayed this, he goes, Father, that I have fulfilled, now listen to this, I have fulfilled down to the last detail everything you called me to do. I have finished down to the last detail everything. That at the end of our life, Lord, Paul prayed, I finished, I finished my course. And we could say, just like Jesus said, we finished down to the last detail everything you called us to. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for awakening hearts. 
to purpose. I thank you for reminding those that have let their fire go that you remind them of their purpose. And they realize that the gifts of the calling, the gifts and callings are without repentance. Thank you, Father. We receive this today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I receive it today. You know, I really believe you have. I really believe something went off on the inside of you. You need to go back and listen to this. There's a lot of things that I was in notes that I said, but I'm telling you, it's, there's some rich things here. Yes. Thank you, Father.